The Pinball Network is online. Launching the Aussie Pinball Podcast. Hello and welcome at last to another Aussie Pinball Podcast. This podcast will be taking a drive between Adelaide and Melbourne to head to a little town called Nil. And joining us will be Lyndon, who's the owner and operator of the Australian Pinball Museum. We're going to find out about the history of the museum, why it's there, what they do there, what the future plans are, and also learn about a large koala, some of Australia's biggest paintings, where you can go to go rock climbing or have a shower and play pinball at the same time. And thank you to Powderfinger, one of Lyndon's favourite bands, for joining us and leading us in on this adventure. So joining me, Lyndon from good old downtown Nil in uh, Australia. And for those who are lacking in geographical knowledge, it's uh, about halfway between Melbourne and Adelaide. Would that be right? Yes, it is. And I know that because one horrible, nasty man called Tom Gleeson told me that when I publicised your museum on Hard Quiz when I was on there. Is there a pinball museum, John? There is, Tom. They're in Las Vegas, and they've just opened one in Nil in Australia. In Nil? In Nil. That's a great reason to drive from Melbourne to Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Drop into Nil and look at old pinball machines. I might hit the road tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Why the bloody hell would you want to drive to Nil to play pinball? And I said, people obviously do, because Lyndon's exactly, got yep. Australia's only pinball museum, maybe the Southern Hemisphere's only pinball museum, at Nil. Tell me a little bit about when it was set up and why. Well, officially as the museum, it opened in 2016. But we actually own the motel there, so we've had a games room for many years before then. And that was just like testing the waters, seeing if people are getting back into retro gaming or that type of thing. But yeah, the museum itself um, thought, you know, let's go big, do something that hasn't been done yet. Yeah. And it didn't have any big locations in Australia back then. No. What's the population of Nil? And that's N H I L L, is that correct? Yes, that's it. Oh, yeah. Excellent. What's the population of Nil? It's not that big, it's only two and a half thousand people. Mainly farming communities, you know, grains, that type of thing. Yeah. But you are on the main drag. Yeah. Is it the main purpose is it on the main interstate highway between two capital cities. So it's all the traffic, all the tourists going through. And a roadhouse nearby as well as yeah, a yeah. hotel? Yep. Yeah. Because how long does it take to drive between Adelaide and Melbourne? I've done it a few times, but I always uh, drive eight hours. Eight hours. So it's good to have a four-hour break to play some pinball, obviously. Exactly, yep. And you cool. can always break it up overnight as well, stay at the motel. <laughs> it's a perfect setup. How many beds in the motel? Uh, it's a 20-room motel. Nice. Is it yeah, one above a pub? No, no, not, not like those type of hotels, no. Oh. This is a, like a Route 66-style motel. 
Okay, it was actually the first motel built between Adelaide and Melbourne. The guy who built it um, went to the US in the 50s, saw the whole Route 66 craze and thought, I want to recreate that in Australia. So he went back, chose the location halfway between two capital cities and built the motel, the first one between Adelaide and Melbourne in 58. When was that? 1958. Yes, yeah, when the motel was built. Nice. And then you so, ended up buying it with the family? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, 15, 16 years ago is when we got the motel. Modernised it a bit but still kept the whole retro uh, feel to it. And, yeah, that, of course, expanding it with th- stuff like these uh, pinballs. pinballs. And, of course, yeah. it all fits in together perfectly. Americana, Route 66, pinballs. And at this point, Linda was joined by a little cat who jumped up onto his keyboard. I've got these two cats recently, these little kittens. They're actually dumped, so I rescued them. Nice. So this one is Spooky, this black one. (laughs) And the other one running around behind me is Bally. (laughs) So you need, (laughs) we can name how many more you need, (laughs) but Spooky gets top billing. So So how many games in the museum? Okay, yeah, back to the museum. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, um, so we've at the moment there's about, oh, good question. I think there's about 53 sitting there at the moment. We always keep at least 50 there at any time, always rotating the games around, different lineup all the time. Nice. Um, yeah, always keep at least 50. Ranging in vintages? Yep, um, 1931 Baffle Ball all the way to, oh, what's the latest one? Probably Toy Story, Jersey Jack. With James nice. Bond about to arrive. Ah, very nice. Excellent. So very old to very new. And you do all the maintenance and upkeep? Yeah, yeah. We've also got other people that come in and help, but I do a vast majority of um, fixing it all up. Yeah, as you can imagine, that many games is a lot of work to keep going. Yeah. What's the community like there? You've got 2,500 people. How many play pinball? Yeah, there's quite a few locals that come in quite often. We've also got a few with private collections there too. Some that have only just started buying pinball recently. You know, they've been hooked coming in, say, every day after work, and now they've gone out and bought their own. Ah, oh, oh, you're spreading. Spreading it, yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. So the um, do you have tournaments? Yeah, do um, RFPA tournaments. That's the We run it on the last Saturday of every month. So easy to remember. All right. And do many, many people make the trek from um, either Melbourne or Adelaide to come over, or is it just... Yeah, quite a few, yeah. Okay. Um, this last one we just did, I think it was about oh, 32 people that came. Nice. Probably a dozen were local or semi-local, like within an hour's drive. And, yeah, the rest, Adelaide or Melbourne. And I think one from New South Wales. So you, you can do the drive... Play yep. the tournament on the last Saturday of the month and then stay overnight. Exactly, yep. <laughs> on those tournament days, we also do unlimited play days. Okay. So for the full time that the museum's open, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., is you just unlimited free play on the games for just a en- small entry fee. Okay. So you can either so play you've got your tournament in the evening yeah. and then you can play all afternoon. Okay. So how many days a week are you open normally? Oh, every day. Wow. <laughs> every single day, Yep. <laughs> He's a glutton for money. And this is your full-time activity? 
Uh, basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, the motel is what takes up all the most of the time. Yeah, but that's yeah. like saying the pinball machine's just there to protect the balls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the motel's just a place to, to sight them all. That's yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, but uh, okay, all right. And uh, we bumped into each other in Texas last year, very briefly. Yes. Passing. Yeah, so was... you get out and about. Uh, how much travel do you do for pinball? Quite a bit, actually. Yeah, you know, go to all... As many of the local shows as I can fit in, you know, uh, pin fest that type of thing, which is for those who in America, that's in closer up your end of the Australia in Newcastle. Yep. We do um, a display as well as bringing pinballs to play. So I've got a lot of like old factory archives, uh, engineers drawings, that type of thing. So I bring all that type of stuff to display. But it's not just pinball expos. We like to take them to other type of shows. Um, so stuff like PAX in Melbourne, right? the it's, gaming expo. What does PAX stand for? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> it's P-A-X, I remember that. Yeah, uh, Penny Arcade Expo. It was originally oh. based on a um, comic that was called Penny Arcade. Not actually the old Penny Arcade games, but right. yeah. No, Ryan C's held a comp there last year or the year before. Oh yes, before the dreaded virus hit, but uh, that was that's quite a big show. So, these, yeah, where'd you get the engineering drawings and things? In America, James Laughlin, he got all that stuff a few years back, which was salvaged from back when you know when Williams closed down that type of thing. So wow. he got a huge amount. He also gave a lot to, I think it was the Strong Museum in New York. Wow, what went there? We've also got a lot of the we've picked up Gottlieb stuff from um, Mike Pasak. He had a he got a stack of, um, what was it, filing cabinets from Gottlieb when they closed down in the 90s. Wow. There are auctions on at the time. Yeah, auctions. And then, of course, a lot of stuff goes into dumpsters and then people dumpster dive for it. <laughs> I, I never have, but okay. Yeah. I know they do. <laughs> That's extraordinary. And who's Mike Pasak? I don't know him. Um, oh, he's, he was one of the guys who started Chicago Expo. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. With Rob Burke and, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was involved in that. Yep. For many years. Okay. And how did you? How did it come into your hands then? Oh, I just visited him one time when I was over in the US. And he gave it to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you know, if we're... The whole point is we want to preserve as much history for pinballs as possible. As much as we can preserve, the better. So, yeah. Right. Everyone, you know, no, no, everyone knows that we're doing that. So it's like, yeah, here, save this, save that. You know, Australian stuff is what we really focus on too. You know, all the old magazines from back of the day, Leisure Line and Cashbox, that type of thing. Yeah. Tell me more because yes. I've, I've been in the hobbies. I bought, well, I played a little bit of pinball in the 90s but not much because yep. I was on a breeding cycle then with my children so I didn't get out of the house much. <laughs> and then I started buying games in 2004 but, uh, yeah, all the old magazines, Australian stuff. But I haven't been to the museum, obviously. Tell me more about the other exhibits that are there. These sound fascinating. So we've got the 52 or 54 pinball machines. Of all 50 areas. odd, yeah, something yeah. like that. Depends yeah. what day you visit. Yeah, and then on the wall, are these things put on the walls or are they? Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff framed. So, of course, all those engineer drawings, a lot of it's framed. But then it's also a lot of original advertising posters and flyers. All the posters when the games are released, not just... Um, more modern stuff like 90s, going back to advertising posters from the 70s, that type of thing. That That's all on display on the wall. There's 
heaps and heaps of back glasses from old machines that have been framed and put up. Um, yeah, advertising flyers. There's, oh, I think last I counted, it was about 400 or so advertising flyers I've got up on the wall framed. Wow. wow. And with all of that, it's also autographed. Yeah. So when I head to the US all the time, I take them with me and get the game designers, game artists to autograph them. Sometimes go to, say, Comic-Cons, that type of events, and get movie actors and the bands to autograph um, flyers as well. What's your favourite autograph? Um, I've got a Doctor Who flyer signed by Tom Baker. You didn't bother with the uh, last Doctor Who at Texas. Um, what's his name? Uh, Colin. Colin, yeah. No, Tom Baker's the legend. Tom Baker's like the, the favourite of the old series. Best band signature you got so far? No, no, no. That would be a toss-up. I've got a Kiss Flyer signed by Gene and Paul. Nice. That would have given you that for free as well. <laughs> um, but then I've also got Aerosmith signed by the whole band. I was like, well, Kiss isn't signed by the whole band, but yeah. Well, when you think about it, the whole band is Gene and Paul. And Basically, yes. Subcontract other people until they get sick of the long trunks or ego. Mm. Yeah, how did you get the whole Aerosmith band to sign? Uh, that was pre-COVID. Um, Dad actually went to the concert okay. in America. And just walked on stage. How do you do that? Oh, you, you know how you, you go all your, um, they have autograph sessions or VIP okay. stuff, all bands do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, good. So we've got the flyers. Uh, what else we got? Trans lights, back glasses. Yeah, lots of that stuff. Um, and, of course, a lot of the trans lights signed as well. Uh, not, none of the back glasses are signed, but they're just too hard to transport. So how big's the museum? I mean, how big's the setup? It sounds extraordinary. And I'm going to have to do a trip. It's in one of the original wings of the motel. So Ooh. it's in... If you can imagine a whole, I think it's a few motel rooms yep. all lined up with just a, a door in between each one so you can walk between. Here's Johnny. It's only half a dozen motel rooms, but it's really utilised the space well. Cool. Excellent. And the, the big advantage, which a lot of people seem to like when they visit, is because it's all separate rooms, you don't hear people next to you. Wow. You can enjoy your game. Okay. And like, you know, if you've got, say, 20 games lined up in one room, it, you, you can't enjoy your games. Yeah. But in each room, the average is probably six or seven pinballs in each room. Have a shower in, fact, in between games. The ultimate the ultimate <laughs> pinball convention attender's dream is an on-site shower. So you can just point people in that direction yeah. as, they, as they play the third their- day straight of pinball without a shower. <laughs> Tricking someone into smelling something that they don't want to smell is easily the funniest thing on the planet. That's it. I don't know if you've noticed, but people will always smell the back of your wrist. Just by association, people are quite willing to... You could go up to someone on the street and go, smell that. And they will smell it. It's the back of your wrist. But like, say you offered them the back of your finger. Yeah. Well, you've got your motel room, what, 20, 30 metres away anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's cruel. <laughs> so, is it? Have you got your own website? Yeah, uh, pinballmuseum.com.au. So, people can go online and look at the photos of this amazing place. Next time they're down there, they can land straight at Nil International Airport from overseas and book accommodation <laughs> in the hotel. <laughs> there is an airport there, but it's not international. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Better than yeah. the drive along the Hume, I suppose.
Yeah, oh, we get a lot that do that, you know, fly into Melbourne or Adelaide and do a big road trip. Because there's, you know, there's a lot to see all, along the way. And of course, you make your pinballs your destination. What's there to see on the way? Give me the give me the tourist uh, attraction between Melbourne and Nil, and I just don't think there's much between Nil and Adelaide. But go on. Melbourne and Nil. Nil and Adelaide. Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Next. <laughs> if you're into your motorsports, you got Taylor and Bend with the huge racetrack there. Right. Yeah, they're doing heaps of motorsports there. You've got that. You could drive if you went to Adelaide and then up to Tail and Bend. You're already halfway to Nil almost. Right. And I know a lot of people are into their pinballs, also into their cars. Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah. But the um, drive, the drive from Melbourne to Nil's quite nice. A lot of uh, farmland when it's yeah, when it's a lot not... of farmland. And if you do a, ver- a slight detour, you've got the Grampians, which is right. a big tourist hotspot. And of course, Australia with everything big, you've got a big big koala. You'll be driving past. What town's got the big koala? Uh, Dadswell Bridge, just out of Horsham. Okay, wow. Just an hour away, yeah. Think koalas are cute? <laughs> Think again. Baby koalas, called joeys, eat their mother's poop. For the first six months or so after they're born, they drink milk from a teat in their mom's pouch. But then for several weeks, they eat fecal matter. The joey sticks its head out of its mom's pouch and nuzzles her butt. She releases some normal poop pellets, followed by a runnier, protein-rich substance called pap. The pap helps the baby grow and is full of the mom's gut bacteria, which could help prepare the joey for its adult diet of eucalyptus leaves. Just south of us is uh, Mount Arapiles, which is a really good rock climbing area. Okay. Yeah, we, we get quite a few people coming in from around the world to do rock climbing there and uh, incredible views too uh, off the um, top of the mountain. Ooh, nice. So how far away is that from Nil? 40 minutes south driving. Beautiful. The big thing that they've started up in all the towns around the area in the last oh, couple of years is um, painting on the side of silos. Yes, saw that, yes. Yeah. So big solo art trail, I don't know, 20 or 30, that they, they just keep popping up like a new one every couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, all these big murals they do on the side of the silo. Big heritage project for the silo in the centre of town, which was the largest one ever built in the Southern Hemisphere. The other things in town, there's the also Aviation Museum if you're into planes. Nice. Yeah, because Nil was a um, big training centre during World War Two for all the pilots. A long way south. Okay. Yeah. I guess that means it's a safe area, I guess. What's your most played game in the museum, do you think? Or is oh. it just the latest one you bring in? No, not always the latest. Um, if you look at the top, would be Stranger Things, Godzilla, Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy would be ones at the top. Yep. Well, of course, modern games. A lot of the early solid states are not too far behind for number of okay. plays. Right. You know, it's belly stuff like Strikes and Spares, Supersonic. What's the most uncommon game you've got there? I won't say rarest, maybe rarest, but what have you got at the museum that you don't see anywhere else in Australia? Well, problem is we always swap them out all the time. Oh, in, we've got storage facility where we swap them out. All the 1930s stuff, of course, you just don't see them anywhere. Mm. What's some titles? Uh, like Baffle Ball, um, the first Bally, Bally Who. Wow. Um, and you got Big Broadcast by Gottlieb. That's a cool one with um, 
little score flaps along the bottom. So as the ball goes into a little hole, it flips over, showing you a score. Okay. 1933. Yeah, you just don't see 1930s stuff anywhere in no. Australia. Even the 1940s stuff, you don't see that often. No Humpty Dumpty there, is there? Not at the moment. Not a Humpty Dumpty. Um, at the moment, the only 40s ones is a Tropicana okay. from 47 by United. No, 49, I think, and a Singapore by United, which is 48, I think. Tell me about the uh, the rarest games you have there. Yeah, um, so we've got stuff like um, X-Force by Technoplay. They're an Italian company. There was only about 250 of that game made and not many around now. What's X-Force? Uh, What's it based X-Force, on? X-Force, it's a spy-themed uh, pinball machine, so James Bond. It's actually got a rip-off of James Bond of Uticule, uh, the suspension bridge scene. On the back glass. The, the Italians weren't so big on the old copyright stuff, were they? No. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot like that. But that's a cool game. It's early stereo sound. Came out around the same time Data East did their stereo sound. So do they have their on... own board set? X, the, uh... Yeah, their own dedicated board set. Wow. So okay. not good for spare parts. <laughs> but no, yeah. a cool optional extra, which sadly we don't have, was um, a chair that would attach to the pinball machine and you could have surround sound, have speakers behind you. What? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and the gamers of today thought they were special when they came up with that. Yeah. And we had it for pinball back then. Pinball back in the 80s, yeah. Nice. Is there a plug in the front of the cabinet or something to plug it into? Yeah, yeah. There's a hole underneath that you can plug it in just at wow. the front. Wow. I've only seen it in the advertising flyer. I've never seen one in person. And, wow. yeah. Well, there's only a couple of the game known to still exist, so there probably wouldn't be any around, sadly. No. And who wants to It'd sit down? It'd be cool to, to experience it. Maybe you're going to sit down to play pinball. Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and give me some more other rarer ones. That make yeah, it- yeah. Of course, Aussie made, like Empire Strikes Back. That's there at the moment. Um, good old Hankin. Hankin, yes. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to keep Aussie proud when yeah. you're at the Australian Pimble Museum. You need the Aussie stuff. Do you enjoy playing uh, Empire Strikes Back? Uh, it's okay game, yeah. I, I do like it. It's, it's funny. We have one at uh, the arcade I used to run down here. We had all our tournaments and we had uh, Escher Lefkoff and Colin Urban when they came over from America to play the Brisbane Masters and they'd never seen one. So they both got up yep. to it. And both on ball one rolled the score and said, we, we don't want to play another ball. Oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't let the good players onto it. No. <laughs> uh, but it's good. That's classic. Okay. What else we got? Yeah. Um, we've got some of those unusual conversion games. Right. Which, like, um, the only uh, one six- I know is Gamatron. That's the only conversion game. Oh, and Star Wars Episode One. So what are these ones? Oh, well, that's sort of a conversion, episode one. But you know, these were actually, um, back in the day, you'd take an old pinball machine and revitalise it to continue making money. Okay. So there's a lot like that. So this one we've got is Sexy Girl. That was a Playboy, Belly Playboy. Okay. So you put a whole new art package on it, new back glass, that type of thing. New back glass, um, new play field, keep the same cabinet? Yeah, same, keep the same cabinet. Um, some of the conversion kits you'd have... Um, uh, artwork that you could stick on the side or drill on the side, like sheets of metal that you drill on, that type of thing, Good. to change the look of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not not all conversion kits ha- did that type of thing, but some did. Scary. I don't, so we've got I like ones Google. like that. Um, I if I sexy should Google girl. Sexy Girl. Is that worth Googling? Yeah, you I'm, can Google it. Um, IPTV. <laughs> it's uh, not a my search history? <laughs> yeah, kid-friendly one. It's an R18 type one. There's actually a projector in the centre of the play field. 
So Ooh. there's a slide projector under the inside the cabinet that projects up. And wow. um, of course, there's two different um, slide cassettes you can put in there, one that's clothed and one that's nude. Have you got the slide cassettes? Yeah, yeah, we've got, got the original. Oh, my God. How old were you when you got this game? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it worries me. It worries me. That's all. <laughs> Sexy girl. There you go. Um, yes, uh, yeah, definitely not a kid-friendly game, that one. Damn. Yeah, what else you got? Other unusual Ooh. ones like Conversion. Sexy Girl Deluxe. I'm looking for Dick's Sexy Girl Deluxe. <laughs> there you go. Archon. Archon, yeah. So, Archon. yeah, there's, there were, you haven't heard much there's of Conversion many. games? Yeah. Uh, not a lot. I, well, there aren't many in Australia, are there? No, well, a few did come back in the back in the day because right. Hankin was bringing in the Geiger Conversion games. Okay. Um, and Geiger, so that, okay. Geiger they were Germany. Um, so they did suffer like a conversion on Kiss would be Miss World and a few like that. There's a few <laughs> floating around in Australia, but we've also got Bell Games conversions. So we've got um, New Wave made by Bell Games. So that was a conversion kit for. Um, I'm going to look up New Black Wave Pyramid. now. I'm, I'm yeah. getting off Sexy Girls because uh, it's. it's <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, um, New Wave has cool artwork. Very oh, early eighties, very colourful. New Wave, cool, excellent. So, how much would a conversion kit cost compared to the games in those days? Um, a bit cheaper. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I did post that on. I think I posted it on Facebook recently. Okay. We we take you, you know how we were mentioning about archiving Australian history and that. Yes. We've got a lot of old distributor price lists in the magazines. I scan a lot of that and put it up on Facebook every now and then. I've seen that, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm certain I put one up recently. Okay. Which we're talking about Wow, that's the Bell Games wave. conversion, yeah. Yep. So the conversion kits have the same rules? Because that uh, It usually use the same – a lot of them use the same um, chips. I think some did have different – Slight modifications. You could have um, different ROM chips you'd put in, but I think most of the time it was sound effects. Yeah, because the new wave's got very similar to the Black Pyramid. Yeah, yeah. So I think that one's identical rules. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, something like Sexy Girl is the same rules, but Black there's Black. a switch that you – I think it's on the left, all those targets. Yep. You wire that up to control the um, slide projector. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot would be the same rules, but I, I have heard some conversion kits did have different ROMs that you'd put in. Yeah. That's yeah, good. So, yeah, I mean, I good. can't talk for every single game because I haven't seen every single game. No, of course you have. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Bell Games, Able Amusements. Right. They were the ones who were importing them. Ah, from the Europe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, here we go. I just thought I'd pull up Facebook for it. And, yeah, I did post a... Cashbox article saying about what's new here in December 1985. Right. So it's saying, you know, you can – World Defender. It's a new game that can be popped into your old belly machine, imported by Able Amusements. Good-looking single-player game, priced at $3,295. So not cheap. But... Yeah. Um, but at the time, yeah. your, your bellies were around 4500 Yeah. So, you know, mid eight in Australian dollars. So yep. you got, say, a Comet that was around mid 80s. They were four six. 
So, you know, about $1,000 cheaper and you're right. converting a, a old game. late 70s game to be look like a new game. Okay. All right. Yeah, That's I think good. the Hankin ones, the Geiger ones they imported, I think they were slightly cheaper. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So they, they would convert like Hankin had Miss World, which is a conversion of Kiss. Um, Lady Death was a conversion of Matahari, that type of thing. Right, and Hankin made those. Uh, they imported them. It oh, was, imported them, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's Geiger cool. in Germany were the ones who were actually making them. Making them. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. And you the mentioned these, the Australian magazines. How many different magazines were there out in the day? I've, I haven't had a lot of reading of them. I see the, the articles that you put out and the articles that Goat Shed will sometimes put on their Facebook page as well from old yeah. Australian pinball magazines. Well, the biggest ones were Leisure Line. Right. Which was, that was put out by Leisure and Allied. Our big distributor in Australia, who Sydney? also ran all time zones. Yeah. Yep. Based in Sydney, yeah. Right. Uh, well, Leisure and Allo were based in uh, Perth. Oh, Perth, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Sorry. And then the other big one, oh, a lot of people initially didn't like them. A lot of, they'd say they were biased. It's like a um, Leisure and Allo, their propaganda machine. <laughs> but <laughs> near the end, you know, because they're running it. There were a few things that were a bit like propaganda in there, in their stories, but near the end they were good. <laughs> they, they started to be more transparent. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But um, the, the other one, which was um, the big one, was Cashbox Amusements. Okay, and where were they based? Cashbox, uh, that was your yeah, East Coast, I think. Oh, I can't remember if, exactly where. Okay. Yeah. All right, and they put out their own publication. Was that monthly? Update newsletter yeah, type stuff? Yeah, prices? monthly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, Jack Rodios was the guy who ran that one. Okay. And he just did it to try and, you know, do a publication that was um, not biased. It was, it was his wording, basically. Wow. Yeah, but no, that, that's good. The cash box, they were the two biggest okay. throughout the 80s and 90s. Of course, printed media started dying out in the 2000s. Mm. But then you've got a Adelaide-based one in the 2000s. He just made a small magazine, Arcade Flipper and Pinball Review. Wow. That was in the early 2000s. That lasted for a few years. And then there was just a lot of newsletters, like you mentioned, the Goat Shed. That, yep. Um, Graham was part of a newsletter back th in the day. Hmm. I remember reading, can't remember what it was called, but I remember reading articles that had his na name on it. So. Right. So these are the original pre-podcast Information sharing. Yeah. Ah, very good. Oh, there was also the um, Namora release, National um, Amusement Machine Association. Okay. Uh, that, that was the Australian collector. Okay. Um, they did printed ones back in the 90s, uh, little newsletters every now and then. I think it's mainly all online now. They, they still run it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, all that type of stuff, we're, we're collecting that and preserving it, scanning good. it, digitising it. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Um, eventually, hopefully, going, putting it online. Yeah. Pop it all through yeah, we, we've, got, yeah. we've got copyright permissions for both Leisure and Allied. I mean, not Leisure Line. Leisure Line. Mm -hmm. I got that from um, Leisure and Allied and also got um, permit, copyright permissions for Cashbox to okay. put that online well, nice. from copyright holders. So that, that will come eventually. It's just a big job. Yeah, get on to it, will you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a lot of Leisure Line scanned. Yeah. And um, a guy up in 
your part of the world, I think Dave, he did yep. a lot of um, uh, scanning of the, um, oh, what's the name, Cashbox. Okay. He, he's, he's done a lot of work of Cashbox and has uh, given us copies so we can put it online. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, big thanks to him for all the work he's put into that. I'll look forward to that. Excellent. Yeah, it's just getting the time to do all this stuff. Oh, I know, oh, I know, I know. Yeah, really yeah. Cool. You know, when you're busy with everything, yeah. the main priority is keeping games playable because we yeah. want people to enjoy playing the games. So, all right, that leads me into maintenance tips. With that many games oh, all yes. going, what's your uh, tip for people? to maintain the machines as a preventative measure and then what's your most common repair? The main thing I'd say is don't put things off. Now if you see say a wobbly post or something, tighten it straight away and even take the glass off every now and then, check everything because something minor like that can turn into something major if the ball keeps flying, flying around hitting things. So a wobbly post, you might end up breaking plastics and. I know it might get into a mech where it shouldn't get into. and So, yeah, anything that's minor, don't just put it aside. Because, yeah, minor things can turn into major issues fairly quickly. Cool. Very good. What's your, what's uh, your most common repair you have to do? The main thing with pinball is your interaction with it, the per player's interaction with the machine, it, the, the flippers. They are the key element in your pinball machine that's got to feel strong, snappy, very responsive. They've got to be well-maintained. So stuff like coil stops, coil sleeves, linkages, that, that stuff is what we go through a lot. Right. And a lot of the time is like right now we've just had a really busy Christmas period. I've just gone through, say, all the new sterns and put all brand new ones in oh. without just, Not just new coil stops. You couldn't have to replace the coil stops already. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, so that, they, they go fast, some of magic, them. Magic gold dust showering down yeah. on the coin box. We've got a whole stack of... Um, old new old stock sega ones oh okay so they, they last a lot longer we put in ah, all the stones because when you buy your spare parts Any, anyway really we've got you know anyone who's got the stuff but we've also got a lot in storage okay, from good. you know lots of new old stock yeah but yeah you know australia we've got great um spare parts dealers that are really responsive they ship the stuff out fast you know like pinball spare parts and that mm -hmm. and even our dealers like AMD and that, they're really good if you need parts. So we've got a really good community here and good businesses that really look after you. Yeah. Yeah. I have to I have to ask Michael one day if he if he sells genuine stone coil stops or good ones. I'll find out one day. <laughs> yeah, I'd assume so. <laughs> yeah. I hope they're not genuine sterns. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They'll get on. No, they're, they're good. They must I have sadly I haven't actually been to their location. To see what got, but yeah, AMD, but they yeah. must have a lot of stern stuff sitting there because there's been a few times I've asked for an odd piece or a random light board from just one game that's not generic over every game, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll put it in the post this afternoon for you." Mm. Mm. Yep, yeah, yeah, I had to buy a. a uh, I was shopping my Simpsons pinball party, and it uh, it managed to fall off the rotisserie at one stage and broke oh. the upper play field. And I said, yeah, I've got a spare upper playfield for the spinball party, have you? I said, yep, I'll have it to you tomorrow. I went, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. no, they're, they're brilliant. They've got a good stock of parts there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we're really spoilt with a good distributor in Australia here. And uh, we've had the uh, the nil tour, but where do you go for a holiday in Australia when you have to get away from paradise? That's a good question. Well, don't you ever go away in Australia? No. Most of the time, holidays are business-related. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like just relaxing on our family farm because we have a farm as well. So where's that? Know, just uh, Adelaide Hills. Yeah, Adelaide I actually Hills. live back in um, South Australia. Okay. So I do like week home, week up in the hill, that type of thing. Usually right. week on, week off. Which part of the hills? Don't like me wolf blast further out? I, I'm in Nan, Nan, which is Mount Barker. Okay. All right. What's that, 45 minutes out of Adelaide? Yeah, north. And it's already on the, the highway yep. that goes to Dill. So for me, it's two-minute drive to the highway and then easy freeway driving. Ah, it's a week on, week off back there. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's only a three-hour drive. Yeah, but otherwise, if you go South Australia, probably up north, like Flinders Ranges, that's really good. Hiking, four-wheel drive tracks. And give me your favourite music. What's your favourite Aussie song at the moment? I'm really into like 90s and 2000s. That was my era. So, yeah. I'm, you know, favourite is stuff like Powderfinger yeah. and Jeff. One, two, three, take my hand and come with me because you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. Um, bands like them, oh, Pendulum, uh, Savage Garden, uh, uh, Wolf Mother. You know, that, that's all my time period, my, my favourites. Our favourite Aussie movie? The Cars That Ate Paris. Have you forgotten the meaning of those words? Woomera, Woomera, Babaloo, Boomerang, Crocodile, Kookaburra, Wombat, Orangutan, Wee-ho, Way-ho, Taramunga Mine, Kondong, Billabong, Gundabluey Pine, Platypus, Emu, Wallaby, Roo, Ivers, Bulger, the White Cockatoo, Harabara, Kara, Golamine, Bango, Bogabine, Narabine, No one leaves Paris. No one. <laughs> I mean, the movie itself is probably not worth watching. <laughs> it's not that interesting. But, but the Spikes Volkswagen be Beetle had huge spikes on it. That, that's like my earliest post-apocalyptic memory of the cars, and I've, oh, that's always been my favourite one. No, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but that's not an Aussie movie. Well, it was, was it? Yeah. The Cars of Paris? I'm certain it was. Yeah. 1974 Australian horror comedy film. Wow. Beautiful. Dropped by Peter Weir. Yeah. Oh, Peter, Peter Weir. Weir. Can't yeah. believe that. And Picnic at Hanging Rock. What else has he done? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the good movies. Oh, that's excellent. We haven't had that one before. Yeah. I, I mean, the movie itself I wouldn't recommend watching, but. Oh, I'll go do now. Just so I can see the V-dub with the spikes on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was all the cool cars in it. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So that's also why I, I'd, I'd want to say Mad Max for the cars, but yeah, everyone but says Mad Max, and so you don't want to say that. No, that's fair enough. Change over. So and of course, we've got other movies like oh, The Dish and Babe and yeah. all that that were done in Australia, but they're not like ones that you'd say your favourite or anything. No, no, but it's a childhood just, memory. I, I like just for I like trivia the, to say it's. I like The Cars at Eight Paris. I reckon that one's a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> So what are the future plans for uh, the museum and yourself? Is it going to get bigger? Is it going to stay the same? Oh, who knows? Anything's possible. You know, we've got plenty more machines to go bigger if we have to. I mean, 50 machines is happy with that at the moment, really. Because how many in storage as well? Too many. <laughs> My family was in the business back in the 80s and 90s. Ah. So we, we kept a lot from back then. A okay. lot was just thrown up on the farm, seven storage. As I grew up, you know, they were sitting around the house, you know, like video game tabletop ones, just as a coffee table, that type of thing. I've got probably a dozen or so sitting in my house. There's heaps at my parents' place, and there's a big shed there as well full of them. We've got a big warehouse on the farm full of it. Wow. 
so, so there's a lot around the place. So you operated them in Adelaide? Nothing big or anything. No, Everyone no. was operating back in the day. Yeah. It's just we we're one of the silly people to keep stuff. I was about to say, but most people threw them out, you kept them. Yeah. I like I like a good hoarder, especially when it's pinball related. Well yeah. done. Well done. No, okay. so yeah, we, we just had all the small sites around Adelaide, you know, fish and chip shops, delis, that type of thing. Yep. Around Adelaide and all up through the northern suburbs up like the Riverland. Nice. Of course, I was a little kid back then, but Yeah. And most <laughs> little kids back then they they used a slave labour to go around and run in and collect the coin box and run back at the car so you didn't have to park somewhere. It's always, uh... Exactly, yeah. And, of course, not having to put coins in the machines, I got plenty of practice at them. You know, we had a warehouse full of them all and, yeah, yeah. all the kids would come round for, you know, birthday parties or after school and, yeah. The main thing is, you know, trying to get new people in to pinball. Um, that, that's the whole aim, the whole purpose of it. So, you know, you've got to do tournaments to get new people in, but then you also have to do just normal free play events to get people in because some people don't like the tournament environment. So in the tournament environment, how do you stop people being intimidated when they turn up? Do you have like a B division? Do you have a first-timers award? What do you do to try to get some longevity in them? Keep it all laid back, relaxed, that type of thing. It's always a, a fun environment, that type of thing. We, we, we just do it very friendly and not too serious. So IFPA events, we normally do stuff that is... Um, not worth the top points. Right. So the whole <laughs> aim is when I set them up is I'm not trying to make it worth heaps and heaps of points. You don't want that sort of person appearing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they can be, they're fun in their own way. But when you've got newcomers, that you don't, they, they get turned off if someone's really stressing over the machine or swearing away when they lose the ball or, you know, they're yelling at someone, don't stand next to me, you know, stand more than three metres away. Or You know the same people I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're good in their own right, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big tournaments, you know, but when you've got new players that can be a bit yeah. daunting, you know, it scares them away sometimes. So we try not to do events that are worth heaps and heaps of IPA points. I mean, they still, a lot of the top players still come out because yeah. it's a hell of a lot of fun. I know. And it's a totally different venue, which is great. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole laid back social atmosphere. Nice. Like this last one, I think we had six new people who'd never done an IPA tournament. And, you know, we had a barbecue running out the front as well. And, you know, most, mm. you know, you spend the day sitting outside chatting away and just play pinball as you want. Nice. Go back to your motel room for a bit of a rest and then go back for more pinball. Thank you for all your efforts in keeping them playable, setting up the museum expanding it with the online presence, running the competitions, bringing new people into the hobby. No, thanks very much for all the work. Yeah. And I will make it there one day. There is no doubt. Yep. And, of course, yeah, getting new people in the hobby, that that's probably the key thing. Yep. That's I mean, our main demographic is all tourists going through. Probably 90% are people who have either never played pinball before or haven't played since when they were a kid. Wow. Yeah, the vast majority have never seen pinball. So. Wow. They're the ones we want, all those tourists. Diehard pinball people, they will come. you got that many pinball machines that they come anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, no. All right, Lyndon, thank you very much for that. Yep. Uh, You're welcome. It was fun. See you at your museum. Yep. If I don't see you sooner. Cool. At, at any expo, yeah. So there we have it, the Aussie Pinball Museum in the middle of nowhere, but it sounds like well worth a visit. And if you want to see more, aussiepinballmuseum.com.au. Now I'll leave you with a little bit of Wolf Mother and their greatest hit, I think, for anyway, Joker and the Thief. 
and catch you next time.
I'll tell you all the story about the jungle and the thief, I said, that was all about.